I really believe that as God has said, this is a year of faith, a year of great faith, a year when you literally can write your own uh, ticket with God, that this is now our final three months as we're going into September, October, November, December, uh, four months or however many you have left, and really deciding, okay, when I get through to January the 1st, I am going to get through with a deep knowledge and understanding of what it means to live a life of faith. Because God always gives us these seasons where he releases a prophetic word to us. Like if Pastor Tina came up here today and she released a prophetic word to you, that prophetic word doesn't necessarily need to take in your life. It can just bounce off of you and you could say, oh, that's dumb, that's not for me. And okay, then it's dumb and not for you. But as we hear the prophetic word from God, the objective of that prophetic word is that it would identify in us the thing that God is trying to do in us. I remember this when I was first you know, walking with the Lord And he would come and say, you know, you're such a mighty man of courage. And I would say, well, yes. You know, Lord. But you know, he wasn't actually saying that I was a courageous person. He was saying that I'm not a courageous person. But he's declaring over me that I am a courageous person. And he wants me to become courageous and start to look at what it means to be courageous. Oh, you mighty man of faith, he would say. And I, well, yes, you know me, Lord. No, he was trying to tell me that I'm a mighty man of fear and he wants me to become a mighty man of faith. Because when God speaks to Abraham and says, uh, you know, you're the father of a multitude, he's not saying that there's imaginary children all around Abraham's feet. He's saying, I get the fact that you think you're never going to have children, but I need you to buy into what I'm saying to you. And as I release that word, God speaking, as I'm releasing that into your life, the, the purpose of that is that it would get planted on the inside of and we'd say, okay, this is God's intention for my life. This is where God wants me to go. This is my future and destiny, or at least this portion of it. And I need to grab onto it literally like I am hanging on for dear life. And that's really what we have been endeavoring to do over this season. Where God said in the beginning, you know, it's a great year. If, you're, if you've been a faith person for any time at all, you know that living by faith is the greatest way in the world to live life. But it's not necessarily the easiest way, at least when we're first learning how faith works. But each one of us, then, we zero in and realize, you're not here by accident. God's not speaking by accident. God's not just, you know, what what, what will I say to them today? I wonder, wonder, what, Jesus got anything, you know? That's not how God does things. He's got stuff that he's intimately and, and personally trying to get into your very particular life. And then, but because he recognizes, you know, as, as we deal with progressive revelation, the first layer has to come here, so then we learn here, right? If you get an engineer who's designing a bridge that didn't go to the one plus one class, then I wouldn't use that guy's bridge because the, everything is foundational, starts at this level, then here, then here, then here, then here, then here. Now, however God has brought you along your journey, he's saying that, okay, this is the piece that I need laid in there right now. Not just because it's the capstone. There is no capstone in life here on this planet. He's always going to be building for the sake of what he's about to be building. And so in each one of our lives, we recognize then as God has put this word out into our lives, and then you happen to be attending a church that took that word and said, okay, that's for us. Every single one of us are going to be those ones that not only learn the whiteboard and learn the material, but I am going to become a person who is skillful at living by faith. 
skillful at living by the word of God so that whatever the next word that God said to you doesn't just become a, you know, a little wall art that you stick up in your house. It becomes something that says, okay, now that God has released this word to me, I know how to do this. I'm going to be that person that takes that word, implants it into my heart, nurtures it and tends it until it bears 130, 60, and 100 fold in my life. That's God's intention. That's God's intention for 2016. And so as we spend time with it, then if you've been here with me over the summer, if not, it's all online. I expect you'll know by next week. If you recognize this curve, the curve of life, as we go through the process of faith or going from what is most of our experiences down here in the world of misery that is created by deception, the things that we believe that aren't actually true, but they produce misery in our lives. They just produce a lot of the negatives that are going on in our lives. And then when God gets a hold of us and gets our attention, his objective is not to get us to heaven when we die, although that'll be really fun when that happens. God's concerned about what's going on in your life right now. Just like you would be if your kid had gone to the park and he had come back all mucky and dirty from playing in the park, uh, then you'd say, well, that's okay. You're going to college soon, so we're not going to worry about it. Yeah. No, you want to clean up the kid now. Yeah. Right. You are very concerned as their parent, the part of their life, of course, preparing for the future and everything that we do, but they're also very concerned about what's going on in your life right now. Very concerned as a father would be in your life. And so all of God's activities while we're here on this earth are to get us to the place where the word of God and the ways of God, the truth of God are in our heart. And he's getting us along this deception route, getting us over into, uh, well, to this point right here. As I mentioned to you before, this is the kingdom of man where we live right now. And this is the kingdom of heaven. Now that doesn't mean where you, you know, that you go there when you die. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That place is right here. And what God wants us to do is get from this side, living in misery to over here to living in blessing. That happens simply because the truth, the deception, what you think is truth, but it's actually deception, goes on, you've changed it, and you go up here to the place where now, crossing over here into the world of truth, letting go the deception for the, for the last time and letting it go, okay? Most of you have seen that from the summertime. So what we want to talk about today, uh, I, you know, I had this, God show me this thing. When Jesus was here, the curve was a little bit different in those days. The curve looked like this. So this part of their lives was very small. Not a whole lot to deal with. Remember that they were, in a, they were Jewish people. Most people that Jesus ministered to were Jewish. They were an oppressed nation. They, had been, you know, they had, were under military rule for 400 years. Uh, and so the self part of them, the natural world that they lived in, wasn't anything like the natural world that each one of us grow in. And so what was a very difficult thing for, th- for us to do in our world, because this part of us, the deception, you know, how much all those concepts that we buy into because of the world that we live in and the ability for us to communicate with another, or share with one another and deceive each other to the utmost degree, because that, is, that has increased exponentially over the last two or 300 years of mankind, particularly if we live in North America, we end up having this, what we call the creature developed to an exponential degree compared to what we had in the, old, in, the, in the time when Jesus was here. 
He just basically needed to show them one or two things and they were popping over into the kingdom of heaven, no, no trouble at all. So we look back on the book of Acts and we go, man, if only we could go back to the book of Acts. Yeah. Well, that we can, but our journey, what there was their journey is the same as our journey. It's just that our journey starts off in a much deeper, more deceived place. And so the objective for us, as much as it's going to be, as much as it is the fun side of Christianity, where we have mostly dealt, most of you, if you've been at church for any time at all, what we mostly talk about is this part up here how awesome it's going to be to be blessed and to be living in the kingdom and how awesome God is and everything is going to be great and your life is just going to be awesome. You know, life-lifting church, it's so great. Everything is cool. Just, just come in here, just kneel down one time. Maybe I'll bop you on the head or spit in your face or something like that. Everything is just going to be magical because now you are in the kingdom of heaven. Has anybody ever lived anything close to that? See, this is our problem, is that while this is a real place, the kingdom of heaven, we know we can read it in scripture. We know the scriptures are true. We know these lives are actual lives that actually lived and that Jesus actually did the things that he did. And then he released his disciples who were doing what Jesus did. That's why they called them little Jesuses or Christians. Yes. Wasn't because they went to the church that Jesus started because, oh yeah, he didn't start one. Yes. He said, become like me. He said, come on over and live in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, you're, depending on where you're reading. They're a little bit different, but they're, for our purposes in this teaching, they're the same thing. And so we recognize that for most of what we understand about Christianity is that we should be, I mean, like those words, we should be living in the experiences that are in those scriptures here. The problem is, is that most of us live at least for a season, down here in the world of misery and, in fact, religion, where we are doing the things that we should be doing, but we are not living the life that we should be living. Because even though we are obeying what we are being told to do, when we're giving instructions, God wants us to do this, and God wants us to do this, and God wants us to do this, and we do those things, we end up being the most pitiful of people because we are we were sort of reigning in our lives. We're not having any fun whatsoever, but, we are li but neither are we experiencing the blessing of the kingdom of heaven because we haven't come over to, over to the place where those things, the ways of God, have actually become part of our lives. That means... The key to our whole Christian experience is understanding not how to be blessed, although we'll get to that. That's actually pretty easy. And you won't really care how much you're blessed. Most of us would just be happy to live right about here. And when you live there, you don't really care too much about how much further you go this way because you're just so happy to live here. The problem is, how do we get from here or somewhere along this line all the way along here until we start experiencing the, the automazio blessing and the automatic life of, of joy and contentment and peace and all of those things that we all know are what we are supposed to be living and so the real problem that we deal with is why do we seem to not be able to get all the, way, all the way along here. Not just one or two of us, 
by the bazillions. We're all somewhere stuck along this line, living in a degree of misery. Maybe it's not as miserable as, thank you, not as miserable as it used to be, but it's also not as blessed as it's supposed to be. And so today, turn over with me to Matthew chapter 7. We've, sp- we've spoken about the creature. How many of you remember the teaching on the creature? The definitely one that you should go and get, get a CD of it, put it up. By the way, we now have, what are those things called, Caleb? Podcasts. May the Lord and his goodness be praised. So now what you're able to do, I don't know how we do it yet. Caleb maybe can come up at the end of service on podcast app at Victory Church, Fort Erie. What you can do if you have a podcast app on your, do we have it on Androids too? Or is it just iPhones? We don't know who cares Androids. What are they? Because I happen to be an iPhone user and so... Anyways, if you go to the podcast, there's an app for podcasts, go to Victory Church Fort Erie, and you'll be able to download teachings so that you, and they'll actually be on your phone. So when you're here at church, download them, because then you don't pay for the download data part. Find somebody who you can sneak into their Wi-Fi, download the teaching, the teaching will be on your, your, your yes. device, whatever it would be. Now that teaching is yours, and it's yours forever. And here's the awesome part, I think, it's free. And so it's, there is now, if it's free, then you know, there's no charge. There's what? No excuse. no excuse. So we should go back, get those things, download them, put them in your ear. If you go to work, put only one earbud in so that your boss doesn't pop you one. And, or you can see them coming when you have both of them in. Anyways, I was telling you about something before I got to my little announcement about podcasts. It was, what was I saying? Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. And so in Matthew chapter 7, then, we begin to understand how to identify the creature. Remember we talked about this last time, that when we become, uh, as we're growing up in our lives, we go from uh, being innocent children, and then all of a sudden, we're just in this place where we have a communion with God. We don't even recognize that we are in communion with God, but then all of a sudden, we choose one day to sin. That sin separates us from God. We experience this profound separation. Now that we are profoundly separated, we become aware of our own weaknesses. We're now alone. We become aware of our own inabilities. Who's going to provide for me? Who's going to protect me? And then because of those things, you realize all of a sudden that you are, the world is a very bad place and that you are very alone. And then you develop this creature. Now this creature is that, that identity that you take on that makes you a person that is lovable because you realize you're not and you're weak and you're ugly and stupid. Uh, All those things that the devil is trying to teach you. Because of that, you have to make sure that you have all of these things that make you look smart and lovable so that people who won't automatically love you will love you. People who won't automatically protect you and provide for me, now you have a way to do all those things yourself by honing and developing your skills and your talents and your connections and your networks and your all of those type of things, all that we develop in order to create the illusion of being strong, the illusion of being protected, and the illusion of being provided for. That creature now becomes the warden of the prison of all of our fears and dreads and selfishness. In order to get across this line, the fellow that you have to deal with is the warden at the gates of your own prison. In order to deal with that guy, you have to be able to find him. 
This boils Christianity living by faith down to the head of a pin. If you can find the creature, you can shoot the creature. If you can't find him, you can't shoot him. And so the key to understanding how to get rid of the creature, this person who keeps us tied up in this circle of misery forever and ever and ever and ever, even though Jesus has set you free, even though the word of God and the truth of the word of God is your absolute victory over every situation, you never experience any of that because even though Jesus opened the door to your prison, you're still sitting there and the warden is on the other side of that prison saying, you ain't leaving. And here's what the problem is. The Bible tells us that our heart, where, the, where this creature is, is, deceitfully, uh, is deceitful, yeah. which means it's, it's becomes, it's, easy, it's easier to see when we're younger, but as we get older and older, identifying the creature in our life becomes more and more difficult because we start thinking we actually are the creature. I am my degrees, I am my bank account, I am my business, I am my makeup, I am my Gucci dresses, I am my Prada shoes, I am my Ferrari, I am my house on the beach, that's what I am. And then it becomes almost impossible for us to deal with the creature because he becomes more and more uh, uh, invisible to us. How many of you have noticed that maybe in the lives of other people where they, become, they, they start to become deceivers, they try to create an illusion for you to see, and it's after a while they start buying into their own illusion. This is what the problem is. And as the, no matter how far we get down this road, even though we go to church every Sunday, we got, this, we got seven or eight Bibles under our bed, it never creates that transformation in our lives because we still stay down here being governed and being uh, ordered around by the creature. And so discovering the creature becomes, in our culture, the, literally, it is going to become the latch pin to the explosion, I believe, of the kingdom of heaven in North America for certain. It's one of the reasons that you have the, the, the Christianity is exploding all around the world because the creature looks like this in somebody that's in a third world, second world nation. It's only in our world where we go along here a little bit and we just find ourselves stuck in the mud in religion or uh, even so, we just had a, we've had enough of all of this and we go back to just, you know, I've got a Bible and I love God and that's all it's going to be for me. Instead of realizing that there is a great destiny and purpose that each one of us are called to and, to, and getting over the line into the kingdom of heaven, into the blessing of God is the key to that process. So how do we find the, how many say to me, you know, Pastor Ian, what I really need to do is I really need to be able to find the creature in my life. I need to discover this beast that has been growing in my heart, driven by my fears, driven by my dreads, and driven by my selfishness, and literally to the place where it is absolutely driving me out of my mind. You would say it by saying, well, my emotions are out of control. That's the creature. My thoughts are out of control. That's the creature. My life is out of control. My marriage is out of control. My children are out of control. My finances are out of control. My car is out of control. It's all the creature. And so when we can see those things, we start living in this world of chaos and we, ex we th start thinking after a while that my life is just a mess. My life is just chaos. And that's not actually true. If you just get rid of the creature, life will start to come into order. 
You have to take my word for that. But anyways, so how many of you are interested in finding out how do we find the creature? Anybody in here like? Okay, when Jesus was here, how many of you knew that we were going to talk about when Jesus was here? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives us what I believe is the most powerful tool when it comes to living life in the kingdom or getting from where we are, living in the kingdom of man, messed up with all of our misery and deception, and getting over into the world where the truth of God reigns in our heart. And he starts off by saying this, judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you again. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. You hypocrite. Now, Jesus isn't being mean there. <coughs> uh, he's just using a descriptive word. He says, you hypocrite, first remove the, blank, the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck, the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Now, how many of you know that when Jesus is talking about a little story about dogs and pigs, he's not actually talking about dogs and pigs and planks? Though what Jesus is trying to talk to us about, I believe is the most powerful zeroing in targeting technique to find the, the creature in your life. Let's take apart this scripture just for a few moments so that we can actually understand what Jesus is saying. He starts off by saying, judge not lest you be judged. Now, most of us think, well, that means that God is going to judge me for the things that I'm doing when I judge other people. And that's not actually true. God is not judging you. He's not interested in judging you. He's interested in loving with you and hanging out with you and blessing you and increasing your life so that you can get your destiny done. That's what God's only interested in. Sometimes we have to get rid of this concept of some Zeus figure that's waiting up in heaven with a thunderbolt in his hand waiting. Oh my gosh, would they just step over the line so that I can zap them? That's not God. That is paganism that has wandered into the kingdom telling us that God is like Zeus. God is not like Zeus. Yeah. God just wants to love us. He wants to empower us. He wants to get us to our destiny. So what are we talking about here? He's saying that if we judge or what we judge is what we are going to be judged with. So what I do and what I see in my world as I make a judgment, that word judgment is uh, the word krinos, which means to make, a, to give an opinion of what you think is right or wrong. Yeah. Now, I know none of you ever do that, but just in case you run into anybody that ever makes an opinion of what things are right and wrong, what you are doing when you are making that opinion is you are not revealing what the nature of the thing you are making judgment on is. Stop thinking like that. How many of you ever somebody come to you and they say something like this? I know why you did that. How many times are they ever right? Never. Never. Why do you do it then and expect that you're right? That's the problem. Because I not when I say Liz, I know why you colored your hair is because you just want to look good on camera. <laughs> I'm not telling Liz why Liz colored her hair. I'm telling you why I would if I did. Not that you can expect that when you come back next week that I will have pink hair. But you, what, listen, 
Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, they'll be, they'll be away next week, so hey, you never know. The you know, the, the, the warden is away. Now realize, what I did, this is what's important. What I did is I look at what Liz did and I say, well, what she did is based on vanity. That's not, I'm not able to say whether that is or not in her life. What I know for absolutely sure is my vanity when I had that impression come out of me. Right. Now, what, what, what governs the fruit that I get in my life? Liz's vanity or my vanity? Hello? Tell your, tell your neighbor, it's my vanity. So now watch the math. Now watch the math. Listen, watch the math of this. What this scripture is talking about is that when I judge Liz for the, her hair color, I am going to be judged with the thing that I judged. Right. Why? Because I am releasing what is my vanity. Yes. I am receiving back into my life based on my vanity, right. not hers. Doesn't matter what you all are doing. Yeah. My life is going to be an outflow of the vanity that I have that is now completely visible to me if I will focus on the fact that because I decided I would judge Liz for her hair color, I actually got a, I got a glimpse of the creature in my life. And that creature is going to be what my life receives the fruit of, or whichever side. The creature is based on what I believe. Now, I'm getting across to the other side of that line where my belief system is changing, but as long as I'm on this side of the line, yes. the creature and the belief systems of this creature are the things that I'm receiving back into my life. So he, Jesus is saying to us, when you judge another person, or you don't have to do it on the outside. We can become, you know, you can totally not judge people on the outside and completely judge them on the inside. I know who you are out there. <laughs> you see, those judgments that we feel are God's uh, uh, monitor screen for us to be able to see what viruses are in the computer. But you see how many times still, I mean, I've taught this message probably, I don't know how my kids could probably teach this message. They've been hearing this since they were children. But no matter how often we talk about this, people still, because we are blinded by the creature, we walk out of the building and start judging the shirt that Pastor Ian wore. As if I'm vain. Well, I probably am, but that doesn't matter to you. It matters that you're vain. It matters, these things matter that those are going on in you. It's not your job to, to help the Holy Spirit fix me. That's actually what, can I tell you? Listen. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? This is what Jesus is trying to say to us. We become completely captivated with making judgments or giving opinions of the lives of other people. You know that Trump guy, you know, I got some stuff I got for you on him, you know. We just, it's part of our culture. This is normal for us. But 200 years ago, man, they would string you up in town for doing some of the stuff that we do on AM radio. Because we've made a culture out of judging people because it's our privilege to do so. I'm a free person and freedom of speech and all that kind of stuff, so I get to say anything I want to say. Sure you do, but should you? You see, the problem is, is that because we have created a whole other purpose to our judgments, we think people want to hear them. Do you ever go into a group and that, if somebody wants to talk about their judgments? Like, 
who cares? You just have, okay, wait a minute. We get, let's get yours, Sandy, and let's get yours, Lima. Let's get yours, Guy. We're going to go around. We'll waste our entire day getting everybody's opinion about something. And particularly in a negative way. And that becomes a sport, particularly in Christianity. Instead of realizing that wasn't God's purpose. He's not showing you all of these things so that you can help the person beside you. Not at all. He's showing you these, because remember when we said, I could go to Liz and tell her what her motives are for doing what she's done, and she'll tell me without a shadow of a doubt, that's not my motive. We're wrong 100% of the time. I mean, the options are millions and millions of options as to what your motive is for doing what you're doing. Me guessing it right is like winning a lottery. But we'd still do it. So why would God waste our time showing us all of these things if we're always wrong? Because what he's trying to do is not show us the other person. He's trying to show us us. He's trying to show us that the creature, the guy that is completely destroying my life with greed and selfishness and vanity and pride and jealousy and envy and covetousness and on 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 it goes. He's trying to show us that because that's all the sweat that comes out of the creature. It's the smell that he exudes everywhere he or she goes. And he's trying to show us, wait a minute, no, no, that's not you. That's not you. Remember Romans chapter 7, you know, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I want to do. Wait a minute, I would do the things I wanted to do, and I wouldn't do the things I don't want to do. Well, that means there must be something else going on on the inside of me. Somebody has put a virus in me. It's simple. It's just, this Christianity is not complicated this way. All it means is that we have to decide that the creature is the guy who's blinding me. I'm not getting smarter as the creature gets smarter. That's what our world thinks. If I could just plug into one of them great YouTube things and find out all the new news of the day. Let's read the newspaper 700 times from all around the world so we can find out. And then, if I could only understand quantum physics, I would be the captain of the world. That's not true. That's not true. The more you teach the creature, the more power you give him, the more enslaved we are. And that's the problem. Because we've celebrated making the creature strong instead of celebrated, just become a simple person who knows the word of God and knows that God is with us. And we just go conquer the world. There you go. Go to heaven when we die and really have a stinking blast when we get there. Our culture has made the creature the objective. And what we have to do is realize, wait a minute, we got to get this guy gone. How many saying, you know what, I got to get this guy gone. Somebody's squatting on my land. You know, imagine, you know, when I had, uh, we, we, I, grew, I grew up in a farm. How many of you ever walked behind a cow before? <laughs> you know, Shih Tzus and cows are different in a very particular quantity of something. You see, what this creature is doing is he's defecating all up on you. That's what he does. Now, if I had, I had, you know, we had this dog that used to come into our backyard. I don't know what it was. It's probably the size of an elephant by what it left behind. But I wanted that dog out of my backyard. I was tired <laughs> of getting rid of all of his stuff. That's what we have to realize. It's the creature. It's not even you. 
It's not even me. It's the creature. And so how many of you would say, okay, I kind of get it. I'm starting to realize that there is something going on the inside of me that's producing selfishness in me when I, have, I don't want anything to do with selfishness. Something on the inside of me is a producing fear when I don't want anything to do with fear. Something is creating an imagination about a negative future when I'm not looking for a negative future. Matter of fact, if I'm making it up, I wish I could just make it up positive. That is the creature. And so Jesus, being as awesome a guy as he is, releases to us in this same parable, in right in this same moment, with the people that were sitting, just like you are sitting today, listening to me, except I would be Jesus, and he would be telling you the story about the plank and the pearls and the dogs. And then he tells us, if we just turn back into your scripture and look at verse 12, I'm gonna, and he's going to give you the antidote. It's an amazing antidote. It works absolutely every time if we would just use it. Here it is. He said, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Magic. How does this work? Well, if you judge another person and you say to that other person, you should be nicer to me because I'd like people to be nice to me. You should be more generous to me. You should be kinder. You should be more loving. You should be more tidy. You should be more on time. You should put the toilet seat down when you're done. I don't know. Whatever it is that you're saying to that person, when you are judging them, all that the scripture says to do, if you want to really find the creature, as soon as you have a thought that somebody else should do something to do something better, then what you should do is just do that thing. Can I tell you? That's the reason I'm not going to pay away with the people laughing over here. They're about to get married, and so this whole toilet seat issue is going to become an issue. And so they're preparing, okay? This is, cha this is challenging life right here, right in front. It's like Survivor. Where was I? Right. And so Jesus, when he's saying it to us, he's saying, remember the narrow gate, right? The narrow path. That's right here, right next scripture says, if you want to find the narrow gate, if you want to find the way to get on this narrow path, very similar to the path that I have drawn for you here, very narrow, yeah. the gate here being very narrow, if you want to find your way along that line, walking on the narrow path, going through the narrow gate, he says, simple, when you judge somebody else, they're not doing something good enough. Don't go tell them that they're not doing it good enough. Can I tell you why you wouldn't want to do that? Jesus says it right here. He says, uh, okay, verse six, do not give what is holy. Now, what is holy is that thing that is going to separate you. That word doesn't mean you go to church and you have a halo on. It means that you're separated unto the things of God. So this holy thing, this judgment that was revealed to you as you judge another person because they're not kind enough or good enough or nice enough or generous enough, or whatever. As you do that, that's actually a holy thing that you have been given. It's, it's like a flashlight into the heart and into the thing that is destroying your life. 
God gives you that flashlight, and what you do with the flashlight is you stick it in somebody else's face. Then what will happen? Read it. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your curl before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, which means they're not going to listen to you. How many of you ever told somebody what to do and how to do something better? Have they ever listened? Does anybody have any experience of them listening? No. They trample it under their feet. And two, they turn on you and tear you to pieces. How many of you have ever gone to somebody and said, you know what your problem is, Alex, is you need to do this. And then whack, he punches you right in the side. That's what happens. They get offended at you. They don't like you. They separate themselves from you. They let your life becomes more miserable because you took the holy thing that God gave you and tried to give it to somebody else who wasn't ready to have it. The pearls before pigs. You know what that is? Pearls are very valuable. Pigs don't know it. That means that this is not, I'm not, God's not calling you a pig or a dog. What he's saying is, is that there are times when we are going along on our journey of transformation where something that God wants to do in your life is not the thing that God is doing in that other person's life. And so when we take the thing that God is doing in our lives and we say, this is what God wants you to do, Garth, it's like he's going like, what? Get out of here, you knucklehead. That's, not, that's nothing to do with me. And so they shouldn't be paying any attention to it because that's not what God is doing in their lives. God is very busy in Garth's life doing something else, which he's probably ignoring too, but he's doing something. <laughs> so all we have to do is stop all that process. God is not trying to use you to fix other people. He's certainly trying to get you transformed so that your transformed life will be that magical day when they come to you and they go, Garth, can I ask you a question? You're not going to them with any judgment at all. That's why I, I find pastoring so easy. I don't do anything. <laughs> Except somebody comes to me and they go, hey, Pastor Ian, you got a minute? And I go, sure. It's easy. I didn't go to them. Uh, some of you, I went to you. But <laughs> as a whole, <laughs> as a whole, I just worry about fixing me. Yeah. I know, it's shocking that someone as awesome as me would need fixing. I know. <laughs> but God is doing something in me today. As soon as God stops doing something in me, I plan to be buried within three days of that. I want to just keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. But the only way I'm going to accomplish that is if I realize that the things I am judging in other people is light that God is giving me so that I can judge myself. If we will simply do that, then when the creature shows up, down over here, because he's going to show up mostly as judgment. There's some other tricks. It's going to be negative emotion. So let me just, let me give it to you this, in case I have to come and correct you about something in the next little while. <laughs> it does say first take the plank out of your eye then you can help your brother get the plank out of his eye so it doesn't say we're not supposed to help our brother with their planks what's the difference can I tell you what the difference is when I see an issue in your life or somebody sees an issue in your life and it makes them move away from you because now you're broken and all those whatever it is I don't like you anymore. I'm afraid of you. 
You make me nervous. When I move away from that person, it is because I still have that same problem. If when I see that thing that is in the other person, it causes me to go towards them in a way that I want to help them, not judge them, not tell them the truth in love, whatever our Christian things are that we do. I just want to love that person. Can I tell you something? When that person feels safe with you, they will say to you one day, hey, you got a minute? I don't have to go to somebody, almost never, do I have to go to anybody and say, buddy, I need you to fix this. Around this place and all of us that are here, unless you are doing something that's gonna burn down the building or physically or emotionally hurt somebody, you probably have never heard from me. Until that one day, when you see something in me or you see something in Tino or see something on the leaders or the person next to you, and that thing in their life, you can tell they have a victory that you need then we simply identify the creature. We go to them and say, hey, you got a minute? This is how simple Christianity needs to be. It doesn't need to be this environment. We're known as judgmental people. Why is that? Because we are, we're getting a lot of flashlights. God is giving us like page after page, after internship, after Bible study, after Connect course, after Encounter Weekend, Man, we have got flashlights. We can see stuff that nobody can see. And because we don't understand why we see it, we go out there and we judge all the people in the world with all the flashlights that we've now been given. And if they happen to listen, they benefit. And we live in misery. Because we didn't use the flashlight for what the flashlight was for. Transforming the kingdom of God on this journey of faith starts right here. Matter of fact, if you skip today's service, wherever you might be, you can come back next Sunday. And next Sunday, I'm going to teach you how to live up here. Seriously. I'm going to put it line upon line for you. I'm not boasting. I'm going to lay it out line upon line for you. It's the simplest thing. It's not easy, but it's simple. But if you're not willing to say, I'm going to deal with the creature. If I'm not willing to open my eyes, literally, the more I'm going to explain to you, the more you're going to understand about how you should judge other people. Instead of realizing that's not what God's doing in your life right now. Imagine you going to Donald Trump and teaching him how to make money. That's what we would do. We would go to somebody who's probably living a happier life than we are, even though they're in their sin and don't know God. At least they're ignorant. And we would take the pearl to them. We would take the prize to them. Instead of realizing, wait a minute, this was God's work in me. And so put your hand over your heart. And say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know I'm here today because you want me to identify the thief, the robber, the person who's destroying my life. I know that's the creature. I know it's built on fear. It's built on dread. 
and it's built on selfishness. And so I declare today, I'm waging war against the creature. I declare today that as I get given holy things from God, identifying the creature in my life, I decide today. Holy Ghost, I decide today. Holy Ghost, I need your help. I decide today. From now on, all those judgments, all those opinions, I'm going to keep them to myself. I'm going to use them to defeat the creature in my life. I decide today I'm heading for the kingdom of heaven. I'm heading for heaven on earth in my life. In Jesus' name.